The million dollar question, how do entrepreneurs transition from self-employed to owning a business that turns a profit? My name is Chris Waters and this podcast has the million dollar answer. Welcome to CEO Secrets. Hey guys, it's your host, Chris Waters of CEO Secrets. I am with Jordan Franklin today, the CEO of Stratus, a IT staffing firm. And Jordan ended up at number 271 on the Inc. 500 list as one of the fastest growing private companies in the United States. Jordan, welcome to CEO Secrets. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, you got to let us let us in on the secret. 103% growth, number 271 on the list. Um, I mean, what were you doing on the lead generation side to bring on that number of clients? You know, I think it's all about your team, right? Like who you surround yourself with, but also um, how you network. I tell everyone I don't like to sit next to people I know. And I also don't like to sleep on planes. So I'm that person that bugs you and talks to you the whole time. So, you know, building your network and really working it to build your net worth, right? So really, really working, working through that and, and making sure that you're always kind of selling and talking about what you love and what you do and really working towards your goals, right? I think that there's a lot to that too. I, I truly love what I do and I kind of comes out and I always talk about it. My husband says that it's my party trick. I walk in and I'm like, hi, I'm Jordan. Um, what do you do? And since we're in staffing, I have to know what every single person does. Yeah. And it's maybe not the most fun party trick, but hey, it works, right? <laughs> Did you do anything on the paid side? Were you spending any money advertising, PR, you know, PPC, Facebook ads, like anything on that front? Yeah. So um, we work with a company out of Alabama, they're Dogwood. They do some of our social and stuff like that, but that's really all. A lot of the stuff that we do is really grassroots. We do social Instagram, Facebook, that kind of stuff, but we don't boost a lot of our jobs and stuff. Uh, We go out and try to find passive candidates because we're trying to fill positions. A lot of the times companies don't come to us if they can go ahead and post their jobs for themselves and find them. They're coming to us when they haven't had candidates go to their job postings. So we're the ones going out there and really actively finding the candidates and searching for them. So not, not a whole lot of marketing on our side, but a lot of, a lot of legwork. That's impressive. So no paid ads, all organic reach essentially through networking. Yeah. Um, are you, are you going to like major conferences being on panels? Like what? Um, so I have just now started this year. My resolution was to accept podcasts. I turned down 27 podcasts last year. Wow. So that was my, that was my new year's resolution because I despise speaking. And two years ago, my New Year's resolution was to accept speaking engagements. So I included podcasts this year. So yes, I'm accepting all of those kind of things and everything now. But no, last year, we didn't do a whole lot of that either. And we're going to be launching a podcast too, so that we can kind of get that out a little bit more. But we do a lot of networking events. Like you said, we do a tech at night due to COVID that kind of got shut down. We also go to a couple of conferences. We probably attend about five, 10 conferences a year, but 
a lot of it is literally hitting the phones, talking to people, going out to local events within, uh, we have three locations, Northwest Arkansas, Montgomery, Alabama, and then Little Rock, Arkansas. And so we go out to networking events within those communities and communicate through there. And then stay in contact with the people that we've made contact with at different conferences and things like that. What are the big conferences you go to? Um, So we go, we do a lot of state, local, and education staffing. So we do a conference called NASTD, um, National Association of State Technology Directors. We do TechServe, which is a staffing, technical staffing conference. We do ASA, which is staffing conference as well. We also do a Medicaid conference. And then we go to a lot of different tech conferences all around the U.S. um, just to make sure that we're in with, you know, all of the IT side of the house. So we we staff mainly IT. We also do automation engineering and we're starting to start going to those those as well, like women in engineering and all of those kind of conferences, too. Our big push this year would be to go to like the Fortinet conference in California. And that's a huge IT conference. So those kind of things. Who goes to these tech staffing conferences? Oh, so tech staffing conference is weird for us, right? So that means that they're trying to sell to us. Mm-hmm. That's not my shindig. I don't, I, I like being the one selling. So they're trying to sell to us. Like, this is how you should do it. This is what you should do. And those, so we are the ones being sold too. So uh, you got like Bullhorn or like all these other Daxtra and all these other different kind of companies that are coming in and saying, hey, we've got this ATS or we've got this new way to do a resume or this can automate this portion of staffing and that kind of thing, right? And they call it the digital stack, right? So like what kind of digital products can we stack on top of each other within your within your IT for a staffing company to make it more efficient or quicker to make us get the candidates to the clients faster. Right. So that's those kind of conferences. So that would be like TechServe or ASA would be both of those. And then also at TechServe and ASA, they do certifications so that we can send our recruiters, right. Cause there's no, there's no actual degree in recruitment, right? Like nobody wakes up when they're five and says, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to be a recruiter when I get older. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to call people all day long and I'm going to be a matchmaker and I'm going to put them into jobs. Nobody does <laughs> that. And so they do certifications <clears throat> for our internal employees too. So it kind of says, okay, this is how you can run a staffing company. This is how you run it efficiently and those kind of things, right? And then the other conferences we go to would be more on the IT side of the house where we get to learn what our clients are doing, where they're going, and really understand what kind of pipeline of candidates we really need to be having to supply the right talent to our clients. So those are more fun. Well, one thing I was curious about is what your org structure looked like. Can you, mm-hmm. can you share with that? What does that look like in a recruiting agency or staffing agency? Yeah. Um, it's fairly simple, right? So we have someone over operations. So in our company, so me and my husband started Stratus. He made me a deal a long time ago that he would run all of the back office 
and I could do all of the sales and recruitment. And I have not wavered from that deal because I don't want to touch the back office. So he runs all of the back office. He does software, all of that. And that's his background is in IT. And so he will piece off a portion of HR since we're large enough that we have an HR department now. So he has an HR department. He has accounts payable, finance, all of that rolls up under operations. Are and these then, full-time employees or do you use like fractional remote workers? We have full-time employees. Yep. Okay. Cool. And then we have a marketing. We're actually looking for a full-time marketing person. And so that will roll up underneath operations as well. And then what we have, I run all of sales and recruitment. So, and then each office has their own manager. So they have a branch manager that runs the sales and recruitment for that office. And then national accounts has the same situation. I'm taking a bunch of notes because I have a lot of questions. So a lot of people on here that um, are listening to the podcast, they may be in a position where they're not yet ready to hire a, a staffing agency. You know, maybe it's, you know, financially restrictive or, you know, they need to just do it internally. Uh, they're just not to the, to the sides yet. For those people, like, how would you describe the ideal, like the avatar of the ideal recruiter, like the profile of the ideal avatar? Yeah. Um, like when you think about your team and like the people that just kick ass and take names, like what's the avatar of that recruiter? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times ideal recruiters come out of like a, a communications degree. I mean, my degree is in chemistry. So like it's, it's not, I was supposed to be a doctor. I'm pretty sure everyone will tell you, like I grew up, I was like, I'm going to help people. And the way to help people is to become a doctor. Like that's the only avenue Um, in my two-year-old brain. That was the only avenue to be helpful. Right. And then I started working for a staffing agency and I was like, wait, I'm helping people and I don't have to go get a doctorate and spend lots of money and I can start working now. I'm going to do this. So, I mean, someone that has good communication skills, recruiting is really selling, right? So they're the middleman, right? They're going to take a lot of negative feedback from the client, a lot of negative feedback from the consultant, and then they're going to have to translate that into positive feedback on both sides. And they're just sitting in the middle being the wingman and then communicating all of that back, right? So a lot of the times that comes from a communications degree, a PR degree, a marketing degree, someone like that are normally really turned into really good recruiters, someone that can translate really, really well uh, and communicate. So those types of people come out to be pretty good recruiters. I will say whenever a lot of startups don't have a lot of money or even small businesses don't have a lot of money to use traditional staffing because it is expensive. But I will, there's other avenues out there too, to kind of get around that. And we're launching a company called Gumption to kind of circumvent that as well. So there's other things out there that are, I think, on the horizon digitally, software-wise to start helping companies access that as well. Cool. What's like the day in the life of a recruiter look like? Like, um, are they like sending DMs on LinkedIn all day and then talking to folks on the phone? Like, what's the day? Yeah. So, I mean, a day in the life of a recruiter is taking a job order, 
really digging in. We have what we call intake calls. So we're not a traditional staffing company. Some large staffing companies take job orders in. They really just cycle through what the job order looks like. We get on the phone with the company. We take a 30 minute intake call. If the company won't take 30 minutes with us to do the intake call, we won't take the company on as a client. So if you don't put enough time into us, we can't put the time into you. And so we will sit down and go through the whole job order. What's your team makeup look like? Where are you going? What's your game plan? How are we going to get there? And we go through the whole thing. Um, Our team sits in on that call. And, you know, normally we don't take onesie, twosie positions. We're building out a team for that client. We go through all of that. And then, yeah, exactly. They're going to be sending out DMs, making for a certain amount of time. They time block their schedule, send out DMs set up interviews, set up video calls, you know, and submit candidates. So submitting candidates would be writing up write-ups, making sure their resumes look good, making sure everything's put in its right spot, and then submit that over to the salesperson. Salesperson reviews all of those and then gets them over to the client. If the salesperson questions or didn't sit in on the video interview, then the salesperson will circle back around with that candidate and set up another interview before they get sent over. So they get a job order, they do a consult call with the company to review the job order, start sending out DMs across LinkedIn, interview candidates, um, the ones they think are an ideal fit, they do a write-up, and then they share those write-ups with the, uh, the client. Yeah. So DMs, DMs could go out across like so many different avenues, right? Not just LinkedIn, right? But essentially, yeah. What, and so what is the cost? Like if you, you know, if someone's like, man, I need to go hire 20 people. Like what's, what's that cost structure look like? Yeah. So, I mean, you can go multiple different avenues. You can go, it really depends on what kind of thing they're looking for. So if they're looking to hire them all direct, then I would kind of steer them towards an RPO play, which is a recruitment process outsourcing, which is where we say, Hey, we're going to just come in and we're we're going to, we're going to fill all these positions for you. We're going to do a a fee to open and a fee to close. And we're going to do it at a lower cost than what it would be just to direct hire. And then, but you still get them all directly hired. Right. But that way we know they're exclusively ours and we're not having competition. Mm -hmm. And then if they're on contract, because let's just say you're a company that went out and won a big old contract, that's only for a year. And you don't want to have to deal with letting them go after a year and you want that to be on us, then it's just you tell me your budget and I manage my margin within that budget because you've already bid a certain number on that contract or that project or you have an idea. So if it's an RPO, how do you how do you bill for that? So if it's an RPO, it normally we come up with a monthly fee or a percent to open and a percent to close. So national average right now is some companies are charging up to 35% for a direct hire fee on the IT side of the house. We have not ever, 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 ever gone that high. And it's kind of like the car market, right? Where you go to a new car dealership and they're just charging crazy numbers because they can right now. But we're still around more like the 25% mark. So on an RPO, you're going to come in around, you're going to come in lower than 25% because you're saying, hey, here's your exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to be like 7% to open and something like 
12% to close, right? So you're going to be at like 19%. So you're going to be 6% less, but you're going to say, okay, here's 20 job orders and you're going to close all of these in X amount of time. So normally there's an SOW saying, here's your statement of work, here's your SLAs, and you've got to close all of these positions in six months, right? And when you reference these percentages, you're saying it's roughly the, you take their annual salary and multiply it by, call it 25%. And that's like your line item expense to find somebody. Yep. And it really depends on what staffing agency you talk to, if it's their annual salary or if it's their annual income. So like we charge based on salary, right? But there are some staffing agencies that will charge based on total compensation. So I've worked with a a staffing agency personally that specializes in like executive type level leadership. Yep. Um, And, you know, when we sent them some, we sent them orders for somebody that had a, uh, you know, an annual wage of less than a hundred thousand per year, they turned it down. Do you guys Mm -hmm. have any kind of like minimum? No, there are some companies out there that won't go anything less than a hundred thousand. We, we don't have a minimum. We have a minimum on contract. So we don't want to have anyone out there on contract less than like six months. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's purely because of insurances and things like that, because we offer benefits we don't want people hopping on and hopping off, but no, on contract, I mean, on direct hire now. And, and then your company's like sweet spot is in the IT tech world. Yeah. I mean, we have clients that we do HR and accounting for. I mean, we manage ARPA funds for FEMA and stuff like that down in Florida. So we do a lot of that other stuff, but I would say our sweet spots, IT and then automation engineering. So supply chain automation engineering. How did you, and how did you go about finding that out? Like, how did you know that's like your sweet spot? Like, how'd you decide that's who you're going to go target? So the staffing agency I started working for, I was in IT. So that was just kind of a natural progression for me. That's where we started for, for Stratus. And then the automation engineering, one of, one of the HR managers that we worked with at one company kind of moved over to another company and took us along and she took us on a ride in, in one company and was like, hey, I'm going to push you into this direction of HR. I think it was, we didn't really staff HR at the time. And she was like, I'm going to push you into this direction of staffing a couple of HR people because I need them. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to say no, just because I know you'll you'll direct me in what, what we need to be doing for you and we'll get it filled. And we did. And then she moved to a new company and she was like, Hey, we, this whole group needs some automation engineers. And I was like, if they're going to sit down and outline what that means, because I have no clue what that means and they'll outline it to our whole team, then we're down to learn. Okay, cool. Um, so like, what if, what if someone's listening to this and they need to hire a salesperson, like a high, well, let me back up. They need to hire like a sales manager, sales leader, mm-hmm. um, somebody that's like at a hundred thousand dollar wage, for example, and they need to find them like in a specific industry. Like, for example, they give you a list of competitors and they're like, hey, I need you to snipe somebody from one of these people. Yep. Is that something you guys could do or would you not do it because it's out of IT and tech? Nope. We've done that quite a few times, actually currently doing that right now. What do you, had what that do you call yesterday? <laughs> what do you think is like the greatest secret to like snap sniping talent from your competition? 
Um, uh, quite frankly, using a recruiter because then they don't know it was you that did it. I mean, they don't know it was you that did it until the person posted on their LinkedIn, right? So if you're quiet about it and you don't post about it for a little while, then they don't really know where that person went. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will say, I mean, that, that goes both ways, right? Like that's to your benefit when you're using it and to your detriment when they're using it. Right. But yeah, I would say you can always snipe talent that way. I mean, that's one of the questions that we always ask in our intake call, like who would you pull from? Like what's, what's your number one competitor and who's doing it best. And then also, do you have any non-competes where I can't pull from because I might be able to call them, but then they're going to go post it on their LinkedIn and you're going to get in trouble. So like, we've got to make sure that we're playing both sides of the fence. Yeah. Here's another like strategy question I have for you. So let's say you own, well, you do, you own a company um, and you've got, you know, lots of personnel on your team. What are like the things you can do to prevent your team from being stolen away by competitors that are using recruiters? Yeah. So actually we had, we had one go to Amazon and one go to Facebook. So great question. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think we try to make sure that our team culture and like our, our team environment is really good. I will say that we try to provide as much opportunity for growth and for monetary growth as well as like personal growth and career growth as possible uh, for our team. And that's, that's 100% the way that we try to keep our, our team members here. Right. And we try to make sure that we don't have too many recruiters so that, that there's not enough room for them to grow, but also not too few recruiters that they're just overwhelmed with job orders. Right. Because recruiters are, are base plus commission. So the more commissions they make, the more they want to stay. So that's kind of, that's kind of how we function, but yeah, that's, and that's really been working. So I, I have seen tech companies that go in and create social media profiles and LinkedIn profiles on behalf of their employees. And I was kind of wondering, I was like, I wonder if they're doing that so that if they get pinged by competitors, right, they like, you know, control the, the inbox. I mean, is that a good strategy or is that just you're running around scared because your culture sucks and your people aren't growing? I mean, I think that's, I, I personally, I think that's, you're running around scared and your culture sucks, but I also think like, you've really got to sit there and listen and understand what and where your people want to go. Right. Like even, even just today, we are creating a new position within our organization and we tell our people this all the time. I mean, large organizations can't do this, right. They can't move this quickly, but Uh, We tell our people this all the time. If you can make a case for yourself and you can show me where you can grow and, and that our company needs that position, I'm going to listen to you. And we had a, we had a person internally say, Hey, I think we need an account manager that ties to a salesperson that sits in between the recruiters and the salesperson. That's not normal for a staffing agency to have someone like that. That's more like a software sales company, right? That has like a technical person that goes along with the salesperson to every meeting. Right. And they made a really stinking good case for it. And I, I I'm 100% down for having that position. I mean, if you show your employees that you're willing to listen and willing to help them grow within their, 
their own career, I think they're going to be willing to stay, right? You're going to be willing to invest in them and they're going to be willing to invest in you. Look at this. Look at all these notes I've got here. (laughs) Three pages. When you like reflect on all the job ads you guys have posted for like, you know, however many companies, hundreds, whatever it is. Yeah. When you like specifically look at the perks section for employees, what are some of the really creative things you notice companies are doing that is really effective people like actually appreciate? And it's like something that's actually causing them to go, you know, work for that company. Like, I guess as an example, I've noticed unlimited PTO is like, you know, like a popular thing and like companies know that, well, if someone's going to be off for a month, we're probably going to fire them. So either they're tied in or not, but it's a great thing to put in your job ad. So like, what are the things where you are like, you're looking at it and you're like, man, that is, that's brilliant. Yeah. What are the things you're seeing? Yeah. So first we just went to unlimited PTO and we're a performance-based company. So quite frankly, our answer to that was if you're not performing and you're taking a lot of PTO, then that's your commissions. Um, so I think unlimited PTO is 100% out there a lot, right? It's almost like not even smart. It's not even sniffed at right now. Right. I will say some of the fun perks, uh, I've seen in Northwest Arkansas, right. Some of the companies are giving mountain bikes, which is a fun perk. They're making sure that their locations have like showers and things like that, because we have, we have a lot of biking trails and everything all around. And I think that's cool to get their teams like engaged in the community. And I've seen uh, like coffee cards. I've seen a lot of things like that. SHI was sending out wine Wednesday boxes, or I don't think it was every Wednesday, but they were sending out happy hour boxes to some of their salespeople once a month. And I thought that was really cool. There's been a lot of really fun things that they've been, that people have come up with. And I tell everyone creative comp, especially for millennials and zennials, right. Can really engage them. Ooh, did you say zillennials? Zennials. Zennials. Yeah. So the, oh the man, I'm learning coming... something new here. I've never heard of this. Zennials. <laughs> the oh group coming in after millennials. <laughs> Zennials. How do you yeah. spell that? But I don't even know if I coined it to tell you the truth. I've just decided that that's what they're called. Okay. Um, you might want to uh, see if you can make that term go viral on <laughs> Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. We have probably like 10 new grads that work for us. And I'm like, you guys all function differently. Like we've like, they don't tick the same like commissions and things like that. They're like, they'd rather something more stable and they're just a little more reserved. And I'm like, all right, we're going to have to figure out what makes you tick. I got to figure out how you function. It makes sales difficult if you're looking for stability. Right. Exactly. Free bikes. Yeah. Unlimited PTO. Cool. So all good uh, ideas. Well, and Um, I also think, I think a lot of them, I mean, obviously in the sales industry, but a lot of times um, like incentives that are really cool are um, access to like your, oh, what's it called? Like world travel, right? Like your travel agency for personal travel or, Hey, I'm going to give you $5,000 a year for your family travel, right? This doesn't have to be our travel, which 
a mid-sized company is going to have points or whatever, right? So that $5,000 might not be that big of a deal for that company, but for that person, that's a huge deal. Yeah. You know, so I've seen those come into play too and funding HSA and those kind of things. How, like for the companies, do you recruit for any companies that have less than 50 employees and they don't provide insurance or 401k? I recruit for company. Yes. And I convince those companies to leave them on me. To leave them on what? Uh, to leave those, to leave the people on us as, as contractors, because until they get to a certain point, because then they can get 401k and benefits through us. So, cause we provide 401k and benefits and everything like that. Like you, like for your internal employees or for the other and companies? For our consultants. Like the companies you represent, you broker essentially insurance and 401k form? Yeah. So like if our person came and was on contract with you for a year or two years, right? Mm-hmm. We pay 50% of their health insurance. They get two weeks of PTO. They're treated just like an internal employee and they're on W2 with us. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And so on contract, that's when you, you know, the employee gets to keep numbers easy, $20 an hour. And then yep. you charge the client 25. Yep. Yeah. And so, okay. And then the five bucks you use to cover, you know, profit for your company, for insurance, some of those other things. Yep. Like for people that are, that have less than 50 employees, like one of the challenges I experienced with my company was we were a sales organization. So we have way more than 50 people in our organization, but we only have like 40 W2 folks, but we have like 400 salespeople. Mm-hmm. So when we signed up for 401k and we signed up for health insurance, we were able to get 401k launched, but then we got audited and they said that we were not complying with the minimum number of employees that have to contribute to the 401k plan. And so we had to shut it down. Yep. And then on the insurance side, we couldn't even get it to launch because we didn't have a high enough percentage of people applying for insurance. So like, yeah. what do you do to overcome that? So, I mean, we use a broker, quite frankly, we use a company that helps us with, with our 401k and our health insurance. We used to do it all ourselves until last year. And then this year, well, this year we'll be, we're just now doing enrollment again. And this year will be our second year. So when you use a broker, you're able to circumvent these minimum requirements. I mean, from my, from my understanding, we've never had an issue with it. we we have 28 that accepted it. And so that's yeah, not a large percentage of our contracting base that does our insurance. Do you like the 401k insurance broker? Mm-hmm. Are they one in the same people? Yeah. And would you provide, can you share with the audience their information? Yeah. His name's Brett Good. He is in Northwest Arkansas and his company is... Henderson Phillips. And yeah, I would just be be good at and good is G O O D E at hendersonphillips.com. Do you find most companies like are paying for 100% of insurance or are they paying for 50%? What's that look like? I find that most companies are paying between 50 to 100%. Yeah. Larger companies, I mean, I think that's a huge benefit, right? So I wouldn't say large, I wouldn't even go to go as far to say just larger companies pay for a hundred percent. We pay for 50% for our consultants even, right? You know, we're probably going to edit that for internal, 
but I would say there's a lot of companies that are going towards a hundred percent of the employee for health insurance, but even like there's some companies that are doing it just for the whole family. Like I'm just going to pay the whole insurance bill. So when someone says a hundred percent, that's for like the individual, not the whole family. A lot of the time is it's just for the individual. Yep. But we've even seen clients say that, Hey, listen, we're paying a hundred percent of the insurance, but it's for the whole family. Yeah. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. We have one client that's a hundred percent of the insurance. They have 11% contributing on 401k. Like their benefits package is insane. Holy cow. Yeah. 11% they contribute of their annual salary to 401k. 11%. And then they have... And then they have a discretionary 9%. So they can go anywhere from three to 9% if they want to add more to it. And what kind of company is this? Pharmaceutical. Wow. Pharmaceutical drug company, huh? Yeah. Is that tied to the pharmaceutical? Is it a sales rep for a sales rep, pharmaceutical sales rep or? Nope. IT. Interesting. IT positions. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. That's wild. Man, that makes it hard to compete for startups in the tech world. It's it's insane. What do you got to do if you're in a tech company that's like bootstrapped? Well, I'm and well, but here's the thing. That's uh, I tell I tell everyone when you're recruiting, you're really trying to find the right culture fit, right? So you can find the right resume, right? You could have Joe and Jamie, and they might have identical resumes, but. Joe is perfect for a giant conglomerate, right? Like a huge company while Jamie is going to fit in a startup because they want X, Y, and Z out of their day-to-day life. And the other person's going to work day in, day out and never go to sleep. So like, you just really have to figure out what culture is the culture of that person and what they really want, because are they money driven? Are they, you know, going to, climb the ladder? Are they going to relocate? Like what makes them tick? Mm -hmm. Because it's what makes them tick is where they're going to actually fit. Right. You've you've mentioned you've had, you've had multiple clients in Northwest Arkansas. Is that because you go to events and stuff locally? Like, do you have clients outside of Arkansas? Like where's your, yeah. 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 So we have clients all over the U S and then we also have a team in India. So we, we start your team in India do. Um, they, they call and recruit and everything. So we have a team of 10 in India. They recruit us positions. We also fill some India positions as well. Oh Um, man, you just left out a huge secret. I was asking you at the beginning. Oh my God. So we do, we do. So so I got to ask you a lot of questions about this. So a big engine to your growth, I have to imagine besides the networking and all the other stuff you mentioned, is you have these reps in India that are outbound prospecting. They don't. So are they just sort um are they just sending DMs all day and like warming up leads nope. for your local people? Um they do warm up leads, right? So yeah. but they also call. So they call and they set up interviews and everything and they they do the initial phone call. So it might be, hey, this is so-and-so, you know, I work with Stratus. I found your resume, thought you'd be a great fit. I'd love to see if you'd be interested. You know, can I set up an interview time for you and my senior, how's, my senior recruiter? How's the um, accent? 
I mean, it, it varies. We had this conversation today. It, it does vary. And I think, you know, we're working on that over there too. It does vary. I think that there needs to be more of a pipeline and we're going to work on maybe having them start. So the way we function here is we start sourcers and they go to like junior recruiter and then recruiter and then senior recruiter. We're going to start that over there as well. And, and the sourcers will go through more of like a English intensive course. This is so um, funny. I, I was literally having a conversation with a guy last night that like has his entire, has like, he bought a building in India. Uh-huh. Um, he's got a small business, you know, he's got like less than 50 people in his organization and um, he bought a building in India and like started, you know, building his team in India to outsource a lot of these very, you know, redundant tasks. And, um, you know, the Philippines was real popular, but apparently India is even cheaper. Yeah. Philippines. Um, how did you go? Like, where are you posting job ads in India? And, you know, like, what's, what's that? What do the mechanics look like on that? So you're going to think this is crazy. So I live two blocks from the university, which means that obviously um, there's tailgating. Football is huge in the South. And I have twin seven-year-olds and a four-year-old. So one of my seven-year-olds is a boy and he was in our backyard tailgating is right next door to us. And he was out talking to one of the people in the backyard. And I promise this is relevant story. And he was talking to one of the ladies and she was like, yeah, my brother lives in Hyderabad and he comes running back into the house and he goes, mom, Hey, this lady outside said her brother lives in Hyderabad and owns a company there and has a building. And I was like, okay. And she was like, he goes, isn't that where our recruiters live? And I was like, it is. And he, he was like, okay, you need to come meet her. Of course, I listened to my seven-year-old and went outside and met her. And so we actually work with him. He's from Fayetteville. So his team works days in India and our team works nights. And so we split the building with them. And then he also has an HR portion to his team. And so he does some of the interviewing. His team does some of the interviewing for us over there and a pre-screening and vetting. And then two of the team members on that team have been with Stratus for like one for three years, other one for two and a half years. Um, and they run the team in India. So do you have the, the folks in India log in to like one of your US based recruiters yep. LinkedIn account? Nope. They have they their, own. On their own. Yep. They have their own account. They are on our morning calls. They are on our teams. They call us. We are constantly on the phone with us. They are 100% synced in with our team from 8 a.m. until they go to sleep. This is fascinating. What are you What are you paying? Uh, these are basically like SDRs, sales development reps, right? For yeah, more, I mean, they, yeah. they're, they're so like they SDRs. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they're trying to tee up a lead to give to your more experienced local you know, us based person, right? What, yep. what are you, what are you paying the, uh, um, recruiter in India? It really, it really varies. Right. So if they're really junior, not in rubles, us dollars, uh, this content is amazing for this podcast, by the way, people are going to be emailing you at the yin yang. Jordan, this is awesome. You're the Tim Ferriss of India. Cause Tim Ferriss was big into the uh, Philippines, but the Philippines yeah. gotten expensive. Yeah, I think we five lex to ten lex. So convert conversion of that, and then but then we give them bonuses and commissions and things. I mean, we treat them we treat them literally one hundred percent the same. So, so Indian um, rubles, rupee, rupee 
is one Indian rupee is point zero one three dollars. Yeah, but isn't it lack like a a thousand or something like that, like ten thousand? If you paid somebody a hundred thousand rupees, they would make thirteen hundred bucks a month. Ooh, we're putting you on the spot, Jordan. Live on CEO Secrets. <sighs> Pressure's on. How much do they get paid per month? I, I think they get paid like between two hundred and like seven hundred dollars a month. Okay. So a junior person is two hundred, and a senior person is up to seven hundred. Yeah, but so and then you have to add like the HR and whatnot on top of it. So I think you're out like between five hundred and like a thousand a month, and a thousand's like the max. Right. Cool. He's, he's your manager. Okay, man, we have gone on a lot longer than we were supposed to, but that's okay. This has been amazing content. Let's finish it up for people that want to learn more about getting your team's help to find talent. Um, where should they go? So our website is mystratus.com. Mystratus.com. Um, okay. Yeah. And then we also have a Instagram and Facebook, Twitter. You can find us on all of those. And then we'll be launching Gumption as well. So that's the software platform. And that's just my-gumption.com as well. So that will be launching and that's going to be our applicant tracking and client portal. So cool. yeah. Jordan, thanks so much for joining CEO Secrets. Uh, guys, go check out uh, mystratus.com and hit up uh, Jordan. Jordan, this has been unbelievable. Uh, you, you provided some amazing content. Guys, go check it out. Our, you know, one book I love as I close things out is a book called, I think, is it The Competitive Advantage? Yes. God, is that it? Yes. And yes. it says the only difference between any tech company, any company, the only difference is not your patents or any of this BS on like what makes you, what you think makes you unique, but it's truly only the people. You're only as good as the people in your organization. So okay. um, you're a key strategic partner for anybody, Jordan. Guys, if this is your first time tuning into CEO Secrets, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And by the way, we get tens of thousands of people watching this on iTunes, but nobody watches on YouTube. If you want to see our pretty faces on YouTube, you can watch this on YouTube as well. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.